Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexually diverse communities. Coming to you from Joy's Pride Centre Studios on Boon Country, I'm your host, Michael Whelan, joined this week at the Pride Centre Studios by Rachel Cook. Rachel, how are you going? I'm really well. It's lovely to be here with you. Uh, tonight we'll be hearing about the midsummer show The Rainbow Tree, a musical storytelling show written with children from rainbow families from uh, content collected through Zoom meetings during the six-month Melbourne lockdowns. Uh, we'll be speaking to one of the creators of the show, Sarah Ward, uh, who some listeners may know as their uh, alter ego performance character, Yana Alana. So stick around right after this. Sexual health, mental health and the overall well-being of our LGBTIQ communities. You're listening to Well, Well, Well. We are now joined by Sarah Ward from Fat Fruit Art Company, who many listeners would actually know as Yana Alana, who I guess is something of an infamous character in Melbourne's theatre scene. I think I probably saw every Yana Alana show and, and, and loved it uh, more than words can say. And it's, So it's absolutely wonderful to have you join us today, Sarah, to talk about your new show. Thank you so much for that flattering introduction. That was gorgeous. I had no idea that you saw so many Yana shows. Oh, of course. Who didn't? Um, but we're talking today about your new show, yours and Beck's new show, with your, com- your, your company, yeah. Fat Fruit, which is a hysterical title, um, uh, The Rainbow Tree, which is a very different thing because we're actually talking about this is for this is for kids, this show. So first of all, can you tell us about your company, yeah. Fat Fruit, and uh, how that yeah. all started? Yeah, so... We're actually obviously Melbourne-based and we're a tiny little arts company and we wanted to give ourselves a name because everyone was saying Yana Alana and I wasn't performing as Yana Alana anymore. And Beck and I, everything we were doing, we were doing together. So we thought, um, let's give ourselves a little company and put everything in that basket. And that way there's a context for everything. So that fruit is basically we're creating queer and body positive performances and we create collaboratively um, with different artists, um, mainly who are queer and feminist and culturally diverse artists from various um, art forms and perspectives. And a lot of the work that we do um, integrates relaxed performance models and shows accessible for deaf and hard of hearing. And what is the, the Rainbow Tree about and how did the idea for this project or performance come to be? We were actually approached by the Midsummer Festival, actually, and there's been huge supporters of our work. So thank you so much, um, I want to say publicly, to the Midsummer Festival. But they had some funding for work that would be created for children of um, in, the rain, in the Rainbow community. And then they 
put a funding um, round together with Art Play, who create work with children for children, and that model made us think that is a fantastic way to create children's work. Why don't we create a show with children from rainbow families? So that's how it came about, the idea for the show. And we were successful with that funding. And where did you actually find the kids who shared their stories? Well, some of them Art Play put a big public announcement out for and they came to us. And others we approached uh, personally because we knew and we wanted diverse perspectives. So there's people from different cultural backgrounds, um, different genders, different classes, different with different um, family structures, so and um, neural diversity as well. So we made sure that we weren't just getting. It's quite difficult because if someone puts their hand up, we didn't want to say no. Um, but at the same time, we also wanted to make sure that we were putting on stage a diverse representation of rainbow families and children. So that's how we we found the children, that the seven children that helped us write the show. And, I mean, you know, as we know, the lockdowns affected us all in really different ways. But for those of us with kids in our families, the effects could be quite extreme. I, mean, I, I remember walking past Edinburgh Gardens one day and seeing a father take his child you know, to the park and they were walking past the playground and the child was desperate to get on the swings and the father had to keep explaining why they couldn't go on the swings. It was so heartbreaking. And then I overheard him say, um, I'm really sorry, you can't go on them because the swings are sick. Um, and I know in my own family, having my little nieces and nephews, I, I, I think they're, they're still reeling from the lockdowns that they experienced. I wonder what were some of the things that stood out for you in terms of how the lockdowns were affecting the kids that you were working with? Well, it's interesting. We, we really pivoted. We were like, you know, we're interested in working with community. We're interested in bringing people together. So how about we put on this night um, every Thursday where Arnie Bear and Zaza, which are our um, children's characters. When we say characters, they're just us. They're just a little bit extra. <laughs> and um, we, we were given our names by children. So basically when they can't say our name, Beck was Arnie Bear and I'm Zaza because <laughs> that's how children like mainly toddlers could pronounce our names um, and we performed every Thursday night to children and we noticed that um, it was an opportunity for the families to walk away and let the child sit in front of unfortunately another screen but at least have um, the ability to connect with other adults because we were actually interacting with them so they were able to send through messages and we would talk to them and um, comments or emojis and they were able to say we want to hear this song again and we would sing it for them so it's not like the tv um, or, or light or streaming it was um yeah, it was live and interactive and I think that was really important for the children's mental health to know that there were other, other adults that were out there and other um, uh, other input <laughs> and it was also therefore really, really important for us and our mental health because it was just the two of us in our house with our pussycat um, and although we were lucky, 
in many ways because we love each other and we have a safe and respectful relationship. Um, we were also going around a twist, so like most people. So it was really nice for us to have other input too. Yeah. Um, and of the kids that um, came forward and, you know, shared their stories, was there, obviously we've touched on COVID, was there a, a commonality of kind of themes or anything that came up through the through the story sharing? Yeah, I think the main thing is that the Rainbow families are like any other family, was one of the main themes that came up, um, that children should feel safe to express their gender, um, that children's stories are actually valid, that empathy and compassion is radical, um, neurodiversity is, norm- is normal, um, and I think also the children learnt that... Um, that they can be songwriters, that they can, that self-authorship is uh, something that they they can be involved in, that their story really matters and it matters to adults and it matters to other children um, and that their family is important mm. and not invisible but connected, yeah. And I guess was that radical for the kids too in terms that they were being really supported in an environment that was being really supported to express that? Because I imagine, you know, I mean, I hope for a lot of them that they're in safe environments, whether that's, you know, in the schools or the preschools or the the families that they're in, the broader families and broader friendship circles that they, they also engage with. But I imagine there's also, you know, whilst the world has changed, there's still a long way to go. Did you find that they were finding that really freeing, that they were in this really supportive environment to talk about these things that are important to them? Absolutely. But like we were just saying, it was lockdown. So most of the themes were about being outside, I noticed. Mm. Um, you know, um, but also the concept of the rainbow tree itself does evoke, uh, you know, straight away, a trees are outside. And I think that was really important for all of us is that we broke out of the house and we were in imagined spaces. And those spaces, I think, um, were just... I, I don't think it was incidental. I think it is a part of their um, psyche is that there were mythological and made up beings, you know, which I think sits really alongside. You know, one of the children said, um, I said, what is the rainbow tree? And she said, it's not a tall tree and it's not a short tree. It's in the middle. It's a non-binary tree. And that came from her. And That's she, incredible. I, I just got was, shivers. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she was four, and then when when we performed um, the other day, I heard this little kid say, "What's non-binary?" And I was like, "This is fantastic. This is this is everything, you know." And I think also for us too, um, speaking to one of the children, they've developed a language that helps them articulate their experience that we then share with the audience as well so he came up with the term family which is friends that are family and chamily which is chosen family um we came up with the term auntie which is an auntie of the heart because we don't have children but we want them to know that we're basically we're not blood but we are your auntie and we're connected through heart and then there's um dipling which is a sibling with the same donor um, so there's all this language coming out of it that I think children will begin to be able to use. Um, and I think that I think language is really important because without it, you're invisible. You don't exist. So defining and self-defining is, is really important and um, really playful. 
as well. Children do it in such an organic and um, sort of, it's not um, heavy, you know, there's a lightness to their exploration around their identity. And um, so therefore the language that they come up with is really exciting. That is so fascinating. I mean, like, you know, just sitting here thinking about the potential now, apart from the show, but what's come out of the show in terms of invent- inventing this language, you know, are you thinking of a little book maybe? I think it's really important. Um, and and we, we definitely do want, want to create a little book because we think that there's – it's it's important. Like I just said, it's really important. And I and it's been so so fun. Like in the show, we also say kibling, a cat sibling, because <laughs> we know how um, how people are with um, their cats, with their pets. But honestly, it's not just for rainbow families. That's the interesting thing about this show. And um, we want to start start kind of advertising this idea is that it's for anybody who has a family structure that's outside of a visible mainstream family structure and I think you know maybe if you're um, a foster child you might really connect to this idea of family friends that are family or um, you know if you live in any structure that isn't this idea of a mum and a dad and two kids, two dogs, a picket fence, a house that you own, a pool, <laughs> you know, like this, we're, we're told that's what a normal family is and it absolutely isn't. Families are far more diverse than that and that includes rainbow families. So I think this is a really important show for for every family to come along to, to create their own, yeah, to create their own um, language and their own sense of what their family is and where their family fits. And also to understand, yeah, there's, there is real no, there is no normal family. There's just a really diverse mix of, of families. Sarah, everything you've been talking about, and I've sort of taken some tangents that I really wasn't quite expecting, especially around this language idea, is just, it's it's also amazing. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to touch on was this show obviously is about entertainment, you know, firstly, but in terms, mm. in terms of rainbow, in terms of mental health, what do you think the rainbow tree has the power to do? Well, it's interesting uh, when you say this show is about entertainment, um, I, I sort of actually think I firstly I, I think that I when, when Beck and I create work of course we want people to be um, entertained in a way but for us our ethos is always around um, mental health so and about um, connectivity and bringing community together so I think people's mental health is improved when their perspective is amplified and their mental health improves when they have purpose. So to actually invite somebody in to write their own song, you should have seen their faces when we presented the song to them. So we didn't really muck around with the words very much. We we almost do it word for word. Um, there's one song that's called... Um, at night when I put my rainbow unicorn sleep mask on, I become sparkle horn. I'm black with pink and red wings and a golden horn. Um, and then he says, I go to the volcano, I jump in, but I didn't get burnt. So we don't really change much about 
how they say it. We think it's really important how they've said it. Um, and so when they hear themselves back, they light up. And they, when we first performed that song, because it's a bit of a, a sort of Buddy Holly style 1960s rock and roll song, he jumped up. He had his rainbow unicorn sweet mask on his head and he was jumping up and down and screaming, this is my song, this is my song. And all the other kids were dancing around him. And then we got him to bow afterwards. If that's not improving a little child's mental health, I don't know what is. Because I can't tell you how much of a legend I would feel if somebody turned my words into a song and put it on the stage. But also improving the confidence and pride of children living with um, ASD and ADHD and learning difficulties. Um, and I think that, that really helped with some of the um, um, members of the um, Rainbow families that we were working with as well. Um, and I think also their mental health improved with the representation of diverse family structures on the stage. It just assured, assured them that, that all families are unique and different and special. I think even as a, as a fully grown adult human, if someone took my words and turned it into a song, I would probably be doing the same thing. <laughs> Maybe sans unicorn mask, but I would be yeah jumping up and down like a little, like a little joyous child being like, this is my song. I just think that's wonderful. I know. <laughs> Beautiful thing. Uh, Sarah, why, why was it important for you, and are you, are you expected to focus on rainbow families? Uh, I think because, uh, look, we're in our mid-40s now, okay? So um, it's it's been some time for us that, you know, even in our 20s, um, and we were working within school structures, um, t- teaching music within schools, but also learning that um, some of the school culture, there was a lot of shame around being queer, and it was just this accepted norm. Something about queerness and perversion, and and it, it sort of um, goes in on a cellular level. And I see so many adults, particularly of my age, not so much younger ones now in their 20s, because, of course, they grew up with, um, you know, television shows affirming that queerness is um, something to be celebrated or something something normal, you know, whereas for us, um, there was really nothing like that. We had Degrassi Junior High, you know. So it's sort of on a cellular level, this sort of we've been educated to believe that queerness and perversion sit alongside each other when it comes to children. And I think for us, this has been healing on a personal level because remembering that um, we just, we only have love to give and that that is a really old narrative and it's not our story and we didn't write that story and we don't have to hold on to that story. We can let go of that and we can be a part of creating a sense of pride, safety and sort of love within our community and and for the adults around us. And, yeah, sorry, I'm getting quite emotional as I'm talking about it because um, it, it has been a journey for us internally as well as a journey for the people around us. And we see so many families going through, how are my children even now? Will my children be safe? I had a conversation with two parents at Nari Warren after the show. We worry if our children will be safe because they've got two mums. Um, that's it's hard enough bringing up a child, I imagine, um, in the world, let alone wondering whether your child will be safe simply because 
of yeah, who you are. Yeah, they've got parents of two of the same gender. So mm. even now, and, and they were in their mid-40s. So I think, yeah, it's that old that old stuff that isn't ours that was put on us and we're still struggling to know if we're safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you were talking before about some of the uh, the language, the vernacular that was kind of created by the um, uh, these kids that kind of you know don't have filters over them that have just kind of natively created these these words in their own kind of sense of wonder. I guess in creating this uh, this project or this show, uh, are there other things that you've learned apart from that vernacular, maybe from the kids um, through their kind of storytelling? Things that you've picked up. Um, that's a hard question. Um, I think probably one of the main things that I've learned is about, um, I think the children are here to teach us, not necessarily the other way around. And like you said, they've developed this language really naturally and they don't carry that shame really naturally. Um, they are really excited by exploring gender naturally. Yeah, it's it's to them, it sits alongside the notion of dress-ups and alter ego and character, and they explore all of those things. So therefore, they're ex- also exploring gender today. I'm a princess today. I'm a dragon today. I'm a unicorn today I'm a frog you know um, and I think what ended up happening is that Beck and I were walking through the through the woods after spending all of this time listening to their songs and the, the confidence with, with which they express their opinions and their um, their imagination and Beck said I want to put something in this show about me and my gender and Beck ended up writing this song called the frog song and it's basically um, sitting on a little lily pad playing a ukulele and Beck says, you know, sometimes I'm she, sometimes I'm they. It just depends how I'm feeling that day. Sometimes I'm her, sometimes I'm them, but most of the time I'm just Beck. I've been called he, it's not a problem for me. Frogs are amphibious, my gender, ambiguous. <laughs> you know, and goes on to talk, seeing a little bit more about that. And um, I think Beck maybe... And I'm guessing that as Beck's partner in art and life, I, sit, I saw that Beck was inspired by the way in which the children express themselves and the confidence. And even though in many ways that's a coming out every time Beck sits on, the, on that lily pad and sings, that is an act of bravery, sitting there and doing that. Beck is held by the children every time we do this show because they're there animated but they're there and the spirit of them is there and so we're held as well so we learnt that it's cyclical and that we learn from the children as much as they learn from us that is so beautiful i'm actually feeling a little bit emotional and i'm looking over at michael like like gee um might have to take take a break ourselves sarah that is so beautiful i was just thinking when you were talking that you know it's just such a shame that we lose that as we get as we become that sen- adults. That sense of play to kind yeah. of explore, you know, um, and that well, there's so I many. Think adol- yeah. Adolescence, I think adolescence is different. We're talking mm. about young people. Mm. I think as soon as hormones hit, 
it's a whole other world, and I bet, and we haven't created a work with adolescent um, ch- children, you know. And mm. I think that that would be a very different discussion. But yeah, I do think wouldn't it be great if society allowed us to bring some of that curiosity and playfulness through to our adolescence and into our adulthood? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, mm. I'm, I know this is um, for kids, this show and Sarah, but I feel like I really want to go and see it. <laughs> I, I'm feeling the uh, same. How, how do you feel about, you know, adults turning up without kids? Is that sort of not appropriate for this show or can you do a... They do. Oh, they do. They, oh, they do, do and they should and they absolutely are welcome. Um, you know, I... I, I think it's a really welcoming space um, from a sensory perspective as well. So, so if you want time out, it's 50 minutes of time out. It's hearing children's perspective, beautiful songs, it's playful and you get to sit on, you know, beautiful sensory green carpet. You can hold on to a, um, what do you call those, those squishmallows. You can grab a squishmallow and cuddle it. You can, you, you can just lie there on the carpet and um, relax and in a really sort of beautiful lighting state and just get pulled into this. It's a really re- nice way to see a gig. I don't know why adults don't do it more. <laughs> Absolutely. Sarah, where, where can we, where and when can we see the rainbow tree? We really want to focus all our energy on getting you all to come to the art centre, to be honest. Um, I know that at the moment... Um, Joy FM listeners are probably more centred around um, the kind of the Melbourne city area. Um, so I want, uh, please come to the Art Centre show. We've got a full week there and we'd love an audience. Um, tickets are hard to sell at the moment, especially if you're not someone who's, you know, a children's entertainer that the parents know. And we think that there's this misnomer out there that it's only for rainbow families, which is bizarre because it's actually for all families. So we really want an audience at Art Centre. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to book tickets and bring my nephews along. I was just um, going to say the same thing. I'm going to bring my nephew along. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for joining Yippee. us on, on Well, Well, Well today. Uh, good luck with the show and um, thanks so much for uh, the, all of the amazing work that you and Beck create. Thank you so much for making time for us and, and for asking such incredible questions. You're welcome. Keen to keep the conversation going about health and well-being? For more episodes of Well, 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 head to the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash well, well, well. Time to wrap up another episode of Well, Well, Well. Links to information from tonight's show will be on the podcast page, joy.org.au forward slash well, 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 where you can listen to all of our previous episodes. Also, let's uh, flag next week's show. Michael and I will be speaking about our actual midsummer events. Michael, yours is? Uh, I am facilitating a fantastic community event with some amazing speakers. Uh, The event is called No Pride in Racism. We're going to be unpacking some potentially difficult topics. We're going to be talking about racism within our LGBTIQA plus communities, particularly when dating around disclosure, um, racism that's experienced in dating apps and that sort of thing. Uh, so we'll have a wonderful panel of speakers sharing their personal stories and a Q&A with our community. That'll be at here at the Victorian Pride Centre in the Theatrette space uh, on February the 7th, which you can find on the Midsummer website. 
And my event is called Wise Words, a night of intergenerational storytelling. It's our annual event. uh, And it's a night which showcases LGBTIQ women writers, trans and non-binary inclusive writers and performers who share their stories. It's a brilliant lineup, which we will be chatting about next week. Looking forward to having a chat about that. And don't forget, if there's a topic that you'd like us to cover, get in touch by emailing us at wellwellwell at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.